welcome. Legally Brief presents Changing Our Institutions. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer who works with private and public companies, educational institutions, and sports organizations to identify root causes, confront historic failures, and boldly implement change to our institutions. This podcast is for corporate change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks who are committed to making our institutions work better for themselves and the next generation. I want to remind you that while I hope you enjoy every episode in the series that we're doing on changing our institutions, the content of this programming is not a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes or information, please head on over to my website. There you'll find information and you can sign up for newsletters and you can learn more about me and my practice. I'm glad you're here. Let's get ready and let's talk and make some changes. I want to be the first to wish everyone Happy New Year from the Legally Brief podcast. So I'm sure you've been receiving well wishes from friends, family, and coworkers. But here on this show, I am taking the honor again to send you out best wishes for this new year. It can seem to be some to be just another day, but very much as September or the fall feels like a time of starting over, January is the same. The air is cold outside in so many parts of the country, at least where I am on the East Coast of the United States. And it's a new season to think about what's coming. And also on the podcast, I am excited to feature some very interesting episodes that will be coming up. I'll give you a little taste. So I expect to be talking about other ways that business institutions and systems can do better, are doing better. We're going to have a change in format. I'll have on some more guests who will be talking about certified B Corps. We'll be talking about the ways that they are disrupting in their companies and the great results that we're seeing. Over the holidays that just passed, around December 27th, I believe, I received notice that a teenager in my area, in my neighborhood, had become homeless. This was the result of a dispute that occurred between the teenager and his mother, and the, and the mother removed the child from the home. <laughs> when I hear things like that, you know, I didn't, you're, my natural inclination, I wanted to know details. It came to my attention, and I reached out to the young man. And on learning his story, I found out that at one point he was in the foster care system and later was adopted. The American foster care system on any given day, so that's one day, there are approximately 424,000 children in the foster care system in the U.S. In 2019, and this is according to the Child Rights Organization, in that year, over 672,000 children spent time in the foster care system. You know, there are so many children that remain and stay within this foster care system. And it's not a one time or, you know, a short period. They stay there for five years years or more. And 
this spans any age group, whether you're very young, but it's even harder if you enter the foster care system to get any type of stability or a permanent housing situation if you're older. In America, this issue is particularly acute and troublesome which within communities of color, African-American communities. I mean, in the 2017 State of America Children's Report, that was prepared in conjunction with the Adoption Council, they provided a little bit of context to what is going on in the adoption and the foster care system in relations to African-Americans. And some of the number, some of the information that provided was provided by that report said that African-American children, while they make up only around 14, less than 15% of children in our population in the U.S., they make up over or make up 23% of children that are in that population needing to be adopted. Each year, several hundred African-American babies, little ones, are born into poverty, living in poverty, and stay that way. And there is a really hard time finding permanent adoption and homes for children of African-American descent. Some of the other you know, challenges that they bring up in this report is that, of course, being a new parent, I can remember my time as being a new parent, it was unbelievably hard with all of the resources and planning and preparation that we had. And this report discusses, as you can imagine, being either young when you have your first child, extremely young, or you don't have the community, the family support, you don't have the education, or you don't have the income. So that's what's being faced by so many children when they're born into situation and then placed into adoption. And then the real problem is finding a loving home, finding the community that's there to support the child, not only through those cute baby years, through the toddler years, the elementary years, but when it really gets tough, I thought the baby years were tough, that the sleep deprivation of a newborn was hard. And what I found out is that it's now these teen years, not so much because of anything that my teens are doing, but it's because the development that I have to make in my own personality. And I apologize, I have to take a sip of water. I like so many other people are dealing with, you know, is it summer colds, congestion, and the like. So I apologize if I'm coming across a little nasally. But as let me circle back, as I was saying, over the holiday season, I became aware of this young man, this teenager who was homeless. So I set up a time to interview him and see what it, what if anything I could do. I was aware that he had spent the night outside. So I brought different things that I thought he would need immediately. And we began to talk and I learned a little bit more about his circumstances. Today, we're talking about the business of government. Our government is a business. When we talk on this show, when we hear the news, when you hear sensational reports, it's often reported that within child services in New York City, it's it's called ACS, DCPP in New Jersey, any type of child protective services. Sometimes we look in horror when we hear that a child has slipped through the cracks, that there's no services for a child that's vulnerable, either because they don't have a family or a support system. What I found with this recent issue that I was presented with is that I was asking myself, 
who, who is the government and what is the business of government? One of the first things that I set out to do was to try to find out as much information that I, as I could and then to reach out and find what services we had locally within our government. How was the government business operating that they can step in and take care of this individual who had no money, no housing, no community, no relatives, say an aunt or uncle, no grandparents, and no job? no car. He did not have his immediate um, clothing. He did have like a sweatshirt. And most important, I know I just said this, it's winter here in the Northeast, no shelter. So I did what I, I, I thought was, I immediately reached out to any contacts that I had. I looked in my phone, I sent out emails, text messages. I pulled on resources that I've had for over, you know, 20 years of building up relationships I certainly was able to get through to some individuals, but time after time, and I I can only think that over the course of when I learned about this in a 24-hour period, I must have spent 12 of those hours on the phone and sending out emails, also reaching out to nonprofits that I was aware of, executive directors, board of education, superintendents. And many of those calls were received with negative results. I was told and learned that our business, our government business, it shuts down on the holiday. And many of the numbers that I called that were emergency numbers were not going to be open until after the holidays. I don't know what the definition of emergency is, but that is not, you know, reaching them immediately was not it. So emergency shelters, non-existent. And it was non-existent for a couple of reasons. One, it was the holidays. Two, we are currently in a pandemic. The bed and intake at these shelters were reduced or they were understaffed. So this young man was rejected from any emergency shelters. As far as emergency food, that was non-existent, could not get that. Funding for food, could not get that. So again, it led me to ask, what is the business of our government? And the question really provoked a lot of frustration. You may assume that when it's someone, it's a person within our community that's vulnerable, that doesn't have a place to stay, that doesn't have resources, surely there's got to be some branch, some local part of the government business that kicks in. I didn't find that. So the answer to the question, and I would think is the good news here, that who and what is the business of the government? We are. The saying goes, it takes a village in African Proverbs. It takes a village to raise a child. It not only takes a village to raise a child, to support an infant or a newborn. It also takes a village to continue to support you through adulthood. There is a policy that was put in place decades ago where at 18, you are magically deemed by state and federal authorities to be an adult. I can't tell you how erroneous that is in application, in theory, and in practice. I know well past 18, I was dependent on my parents, both financially, emotionally, and to this day, you know, I, I'm not calling my mother for finances, but definitely for support. So we are that village and we are the government. We are the business. Meaning, and when I say we, that there was a point in the calls and the emails that I was sending out where I had to stop because I was frustrated and said, Judy, 
don't expect these emergency services, don't expect shelters to respond, don't expect individuals to be compelled. What I found is that not everyone, but there was a good portion of local leaders. There was even a local, I don't want to say pastor, what's the correct title? A local leader that works with children that someone reached out to on my behalf. And the response from that local, he was a civic leader that has experience and works, interacts with children daily, is he didn't want to get involved. It's a teenager, and he believed that it's always their fault when they get into this type of situation. If a parent puts a child out, it is their fault. I was so taken back, and my response was that individual needs to immediately get out of the business of working with children because there's one area in dealing with this issue over the holidays that I saw that there is a real reluctancy when you use the word teenager, when you use the word that's been put out of the house, homeless, or is facing some type of troubles. There is trepidation for individuals wanting to be involved. And we are the government. We are the people that should step in when you hear about vulnerable populations. Maybe your involvement looks different from what I would do, but I know that the best thing that I learned from this situation over the holidays is that in so many instances, when we think about how our government works, it is not that big, faceless institution where we point the finger and say the government will do it or the government doesn't do it. That's us. We have to point the finger at us. Our tax dollars are being used to take care of these things. And we need to step in when there's an issue, when there's a problem with our government, because we, at the end of the day, we are the business of the government at the local level, in our towns, at the state level. We have to get involved and we have to be the village for vulnerable populations. So like always, I am so excited every time you join me on an episode, give me your time and listen in. And coming up on our next episode, I'm going to be featuring guests and we'll talk about the way that business works, culture and the law. Until next time, be well. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.